0: Lonely Monk Productions I don't know if y'all have heard Pretty Liar by Shania Twain yet, but yo That's my joy! joy. Hey yo, Displaced What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. John Penn, a.k.a. Nate 3.0. Back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, I'm joined in conversation by Laura Lizcano. We chatted up about her latest album, Daughter of the Sea, and so much more. That's coming up in a bit here. But first... How are you guys holding up, man? January 2020 me is in the books, and we're just jumping right into February already. Ain't no stopping us. You know, and on that front, I just want to give you guys a little programming note. We have some timing-specific interviews coming up, so we're actually going to have three episodes this month. This one, the one you're listening to right now, one next week on the 13th, and then one on the 20th all before settling back into our regular schedule. And look, before you think that I'm doing that thing that you know I do, where I say, guys, I totally have this thing coming up, and then I don't because, I don't know, scheduling or ADHD or I just, I don't flake. Look, I already have those interviews recorded, so it's happening for reals, for sure, three episodes this month, this one, the 13th and the 20th. But yeah, man, we're doing so good over here. As I mentioned we were going to last episode, Katie and I got to check out G-Love and Donovan Frankenreiter at the TLA and fam. That show was incredible. The two put a band together with Chuck Treese on drums and Matt Grundy on bass, and they sound so, so good. It's like super tight and just dialed all the way in together. I really hope they put something out as this outfit because it's just phenomenal, and I want the whole world to be able to hear it. And shouts out to Nat Myers, who opened up the show with his soothing sounds of folky blues, man. Definitely keep an eye out for him. Much love to G for the invite and the hospitality. The show was definitely one for the ages. And you know, we had to stop across the street at Lorenzo's before going home for a slice of pizza. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, well, you know, I mentioned some of those uh, scheduling changes before. The best way to stay on top of those scheduling kerfluffles I mentioned previously is to get yourself on the mailing list. Visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and sign up to get the updates delivered straight to your inbox. And, guys, while you're there, uh, we got some merch for sale Click that little shop button and get yourself a sweet Yo, That's My John t-shirt, or a jauntlet t-shirt, or a sweatshirt, or a baby doll tee. Actually, I don't know if we have baby doll tees. I just always thought that was a fun phrase to say, you know? Baby doll tees. I don't know. All right. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and sign up for the mailing list. Check out the merch. Read some articles. All that good stuff. And follow us on the socials at Yo That's My John. Okay, short break for me to play that ad that you've heard for two years now that I probably should re-record sometime soon, but I haven't because I'm lazy. And then we will be back with my interview with Laura Lizcano. My guest today is a Colombian-born singer-songwriter who combines her formal training as a jazz vocalist with her love of folk, pop, and contemporary classical music. She has been featured in the virtual Wawa Welcome to America Festival in 2020 and has been a part of the legendary Philadelphia Folk Festival in the years 2020 and 2021. She has recently released her sophomore album, The Beautiful, Daughter of the Sea, a 12-song introspective that addresses a wide range of topics, from breaking generational traumas and grappling with immigrant identity, to sexual desire and learning radical self-love, and features contributions from Aaron Bush and the Daedalus Quartet. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show, Laura Lizcano. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Laura Laura Liscano. Thank you so much for joining me today on Yo, That's My John.
1: Yeah, so great to meet you. Thank you for having me.
0: So um, the first time I ever heard anything about you at all was um, when overworked and overpaid when you when you release that and um i've been i've been for years now wondering um when you wrote that uh w- were, was it specifically about a place you were working and <laughs> did they hear that song
1: <laughs> um oh, man i was working in so many places at that time um and I'm sure they did, but, like, you know, it is what it is. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's also, if you were working in multiple places, easy to pass off and say, no, 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 no. Not you guys. The other guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, yeah, it was. It, I was. It was definitely like a little. I was definitely a little bit nervous about releasing that track um, because be, precisely because of that, because I also didn't want to get fired from anywhere. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, But. Uh, But yeah, but and nobody said anything. So it was like, uh, I'm sure it was fine.
0: (laughs) That's cool. That is so cool. Well, um, I always like to start things off uh, jumping in the Wayback Machine and going back to small, small child stuff. So uh, tell me a little bit about where you were born.
1: Yeah, so I'm from Colombia. I was born in Bogota, the capital of Colombia. And um, I came to the U.S. when I was 10 years old and I've been here ever since.
0: Oh, that's so incredible. Um, when you were a kid, like what kind of music was playing around the house? Like what were your folks listening to?
1: Um, there was a lot of different things going around because my brother Alejandro was doing his undergrad um, for ba- ja- uh, no classical bass performance <laughs> um, at the time. And he was still living at home. Um, so I would hear him practice all the time. And a lot of that rep is like, you know, Bach and <laughs> sort of very traditional things. So I was hearing a lot of that. Um, and he was working in this orchestra. So we would go see all of those concerts. And so there's definitely a lot of classical music in my world. And my parents, uh, my dad, he's very cheesy. Um, <laughs> and he loved like Andrea Bocelli and kind of like the big ballad singer. So that was a lot of... What I listened to in the car as a kid, and my mom was very into um, Latin American folk singer songwriters. So I was hearing like Violeta Parra and Mercedes Sosa, who are like very, very much staples in that tradition of music. So, yeah, there was like a lot going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so cool. The um with your with your brother playing classical and stuff like that. Um, was that was that kind of where the the drive to want to make music came from, like watching him do it, or
1: yeah, I think a little bit, but I also think that for me there was like definitely an early obsession with singers. Um Yeah. I think like there was there was something for me about um singer songwriters that I was just like as a little kid that was really, um it just like really stuck with me. <laughs> um and so that was like kinda like the very er- early era of Shakira and she was getting big in Colombia and um she had this record out called Pies descalzos that was like a huge hit. Um and so that, that's kind of like, I just remember wanting to be like her and wanting to dance and be on stage. And I think it was uh, actually more of an obsession of wanting to be like the, the singers. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you, when you move at 10, uh, you come to Pennsylvania. Is that where you, you guys uh, ended up here?
1: Yeah. I ended up in um, central Pennsylvania in a little town just like 45 minutes north of Harrisburg.
0: Okay. What what town? I have family out that way.
1: Um. It's like Elizabethville, Loyalton, okay. Lycans sure. area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, and um, you know, uh coming coming here, uh, were there singer songwriters here that you hadn't been exposed to before that um kind of piqued your interest?
1: Yeah, I do remember like a uh middle school obsession with Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, and uh when I got a little bit older, then it was like Regina Specter and Nora Jones, and yeah, so definitely uh specifically female singer songwriters,
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure like uh what what was uh like at that time were were you like in chorus or anything like that, or
1: oh my God, yeah, I was in everything um I was in band, I was in choir, I did all the musicals um yeah, it's like I filled my life with I think as much music as possible. I think um, it was such a blessing to to be in a school district that had, a, even though it was very rural, um, that did have a lot of opportunities for kids to participate in music activities, and it had a pretty robust music program. So that was um, a huge blessing for me, and um, it just like became my life. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, you you said one of my um, one of my favorite um, words ever, which is musicals. Uh, what kind of shows were you in back then?
1: Um, the first one I was ever in was an Annie Junior, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I was just like one of the choir members. And then we did like a Junior version of um, Fiddler on the Roof, and I was one of the daughters. And uh, in high school, we did. Man, I'm having to like go back in time um oh, we did you're a good man charlie brown and i was sally in that one and we did oklahoma and i was um the the best friend i am like forgetting her name right now but I,
0: I can't remember her name either but it's funny that i was just gonna say my my first musical was well one of my first musicals was oklahoma as well except for i was just a, a lowly uh cal person uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was there uh, to fill a seat and to dance and to sing so
1: yeah. Yeah, but I I had I mean it was so much fun for me. It was like musical season was probably my favorite part of the year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um when when did you start like uh kind of crafting your own stuff? Like were you kind of writing songs and melodies then or or
1: Yeah, in high school I was in this band called Strawberry Underground. Um I was like a a rock band with some friends and we we used to like write songs together and so I think those are like the kind of like the early, early crafts, um, early moments of my craft, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If I, um, if I dig deeply, can I find Strawberry Underground on like Bandcamp and stuff?
1: Um, you'll definitely find... I, I think there was a band camp and definitely on YouTube there are some videos, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm going to deep dive after this. That's like one of my favorite things. I love, like, one of my favorite things is to find, like, projects before people kind of found themselves and found their voice, you know, because, like, there's always hints there, you know.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think definitely hints in those early <laughs> early years for sure.
0: Yeah, um, so then, you you went to school at Temple um, directly out of high school. Did you go to Temple, or did you go anywhere in between? Yeah,
1: yeah, I did. Um, I went straight to Temple after graduating high school, and I was a jazz studies voice performance <laughs> major. Um, yeah, and that's how I landed in Philly.
0: Oh, that's uh, so. What what was that was that experience like? Like coming to um, from from the the small. Uh, you know, rural burbs of Harrisburg to uh, the big town.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it actually felt a little bit like a coming home because uh, Bogota, the city that I'm from, is quite large. It's actually slightly bigger than New York. And um, I was just very glad to be in an urban setting again because I'm definitely not a country gal. Yeah. And... (laughs) um, yeah. I mean, definitely like that first semester was a little scary. Like I wasn't sure how to take the the subway and wasn't sure how to navigate the city and all this stuff that you have to learn as a freshman. And, but it was, um, but at the same time, it was really amazing, like having um, music so available to you, like live music, which is not something that um, rural areas have um, access to as much. And, that for me was very valuable and obviously like the university having so many resources and yeah, it just really opened up my world and in many ways. So it was really great.
0: That's incredible. Uh, Those early days where were like your, uh, your favorite places to hang out for, for music and stuff like that.
1: Man, we used to go to Chris's jazz cafe, like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think it's like, it was, um, one of those places where like you didn't uh like you could go in if you weren't 21 um and uh obviously like all of our friends were playing and um it was just like kind of like the spot where a lot of jazz would end up when i was a freshman so that was kind of and i was in jazz school so (laughs) um it was also kind of like part of the study for me um and then later on like uh south Opened up. I forget exactly what year South opened up. That's on like Spring Garden and Broad. Um, so I would hang out there a lot because they had a jam session. And and then when I was 21, then I could go to Time. <laughs> so I was going to the Sunday night jam session a lot. And that was definitely a hang. Um, and kind of halfway through college, the Not So Latin series started. Um, that was Arturo Stable and my friend, um, Dariel And um, the, all the folks who lived in that house or still, still live in that house in South Philly who had started like a concert series and, um, that was also a great hang. So every Tuesday night, almost every Tuesday I would be there and yeah, it was just very community centered, I guess. <laughs>
0: sure. Sure. The, um, so how did, how did you find, um, jazz to be kind of your, your, your drug, uh, essentially, <laughs> uh, like what was the path to get there?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's like um, I didn't have an opportunity to take uh, voice lessons when I was in high school. And but I, I wanted to go to music school and I knew that I wanted to sing and I know that I didn't necessarily have the technique and the skills to be able to get into a classical program. So um, I kind of opted more towards the jazz world and um My brother at the time had um, also just completed a master's in jazz studies as well. So I had sort of understanding a little bit of how that academic world worked and that I knew eventually that I wanted to sing more pop music and write my own things. And I just um, felt that it was more feasible for me to get there if I if I did a jazz degree as opposed to a classical degree. And it was just like kind of my way into music school.
0: No, that makes sense. That makes sense. The, um, you had, you had mentioned, um, uh, um, Nora Jones and Regina Spector, like, uh, the, 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 the influence is definitely there. Um, what, what was the draw like, uh, for you, for them? Because like, I, 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 the same, like the first time I heard, um, come away with me when that album came out, like it completely like knocked me off my feet. Like I, I, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepared. And then the same thing, the first time I heard Regina Spector, like it was like, I, I didn't know you could do this. You know what I mean? Like, like they're, they're, they're a perfect, like uh one, two punch of kind of yeah. jazz pop, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, specifically for Regina, I think, um, I had, it was kind of like when begin to hope had come out and it was like that track. I never loved nobody fully. Um, that like super hit that she had. Um, and, I was kind of reading about her and had found out that she was also an immigrant, that she came here when she was very young. And so I I think I saw myself a lot in her journey. And yeah, I think that was for me kind of like the entry point and why she was so important or she is so important to me is that. um, Yeah, it was so important for me to see like an immigrant woman doing singing her own songs and that they were like kooky and kind of weird and not necessarily like cookie cutter in that way, which I felt, I felt very connected to. So I think, um, that's Regina in my life has been a huge, uh, influence. Um, and I think Nora Jones a little bit, the same reasons I think, um, you know, she's not a white woman. (laughs) Um, she's not like the cookie cutter pop star. And I think it was easier for me to see myself, um, doing that kind of music and succeeding and in, in the same way that Nora and Regina kind of have. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like uh, one of the, one of the themes that we talk about a lot on here and one that I really enjoy talking about is the concept of representation and being able to see yourself and kind of create in a space where it's like, Oh, I'm allowed to do this. Like I didn't know, you know, that kind of like um, permission almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that, for me listening to Regina and Nora is like a lot of permission. <laughs> right? And I think uh I think a lot about Nora Jones and the way that like her music is very um I hate to say soft, but it's not like produced in a way that is, like pop loud, right? <laughs> yeah. Um and she's not I mean, I feel like she's gotten more into her belting voice in her later years, but she's definitely not like a huge belter in the way like Lady Gaga and Beyoncé are, right? Um so, yeah, I just I think with her music, I felt a lot of permission to sing in that way, to not have to like overperform, and and to just be like really authentic, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, like it and it's it's something that like um, that has always kind of spoken to me because it's the kind of music to me and, and and the music you create beautifully represents this as well. It's the kind of music that like I just want to put on and I can just kind of exist with, you know, where it's not it's not like overpowering or trying to demand that it be heard. It's like if you want to hear this, you can hear this. And when you listen, you're going to hear something very great. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's awesome. Um so um around what time do you start kind of um crafting the idea that let's let's put an album together? Like
1: um, yeah, so I think that was, uh, my first year out of college, um, which is that like huge drop off when you're like, I'm going to be amazing. I just graduated college with an art degree and I'm going to do amazing things. And then you're working a coffee shop job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I just like, I really wanted to put some of my own stuff together cause I've I really needed to like validate myself in that way as an artist and, you know, working sort of part time and various different things. I had the time to kind of put together a project and that's when I put together my first EP, um, which was called Chance on Me. And I recorded that like, I think a year after I had graduated um and that was the first baby
0: (laughs) yeah and it's it's absolutely beautiful you know like uh i didn't know that that ep existed like like i said the first time i heard you was in 2020 and i just i kind of thought that heart was the beginning of it all and then like Mm -hmm. you know in doing this i got to go back and kind of you know discover it and and it's funny too because like as i'm listening to uh uh, Daughter of the Sea, the new album, and listening to Heart and stuff like that. I, I was always like, "Man, I'd love to see this live. I wonder what this, what, what your sound would be like, like how you would represent that in a live setting." And then I found that EP, doing doing the research and all, and I was like, "Oh, it sounds just as, if not more, brilliant. Like it's a, <laughs> well, it, it, it it translates really well, and and like it, it, it's exciting to me to know that like." that you, you know, because a lot of times when, you you know, you have some really beautiful instrumentation on your stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, you know, not that it doesn't translate live, but it's hard to put together a live band to recreate it, you know, and uh, and I was, like, incredibly blown away at how full uh, that live recording sounded.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, um, yeah, definitely. I That was definitely more of, like, a resourceful thing of, like, I didn't have enough money to spend, like, lots of of days in the studio and get clean tracks of each instrument, and, you know, and so um, I had kind of decided to just do it like a live concert. (laughs) Um, And so we did, like, two takes of every song, and then that was it, you know, like... um, Yeah, so I I really appreciate that. I think I I feel lots of ways about that first baby. Of course. So so it's very nice to hear that perspective. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I think like going to jazz school, that's how you're trained. You're not trained to like think about the studio first. You're trained to think about the stage um, or like in the moment at all times. So I think I was coming at it also from that perspective. I hadn't really had the chance um, to think about Really, what it would look like in the studio to separate and isolate everything just because that wasn't something that I had really been exposed to at that time
0: yeah um are you have you worked with the same musicians throughout each project or has it been rotating or
1: um I think that the the band on chance on me I think the only one that still remains in the band is Silas Irvine who's on the piano. Um, and Andrew Carson, who's on the trumpet on that record is also on heart, but the yeah, the band has kind of like morphed. I think, uh, I think the full band is more of the one that was on heart. Um, the core band is the, the, is the same one on heart as it is on daughter of the sea.
0: Okay. Um, putting, putting that together, um, like, uh, uh, how did you go about kind of, um, selecting who you wanted to kind of invite into that project? Because, you know, like you said, you know, jazz is such a kind of collaborative kind of in the moment thing. So you kind of have to have people around you that you can rely on to that, you know, you know, Hey, if I happen to make a left here, you're going to follow with me. And then also maybe show me how to use a turn signal, you know, like,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, I think the reason I really love playing with the the band that's on heart and daughter of the sea is because they're 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 folks who have been playing with singers a lot um and so they're just very aware of how to accommodate for that setting i think um and joe plowman who's on the who's the bass player on the record uh plays with carsey blanton so he's also very familiar with just like folk pop music which is very much what i'm trying to do and so that it made a lot of sense for joe to be in the band and Gustin also plays with a lot the drummer also plays with a lot of um pop groups so it was kind of like a blend of things right like the the skill set was the right skill set they play with singers they play pop music they play jazz so it was kind of like all of the right elements and then Dariel who plays the guitar um again he's just also trained in jazz but um also has a Latin American background so he loves a lot of the same music that I do and I think we just connect on that level very well. So I think, yeah, it it just the band organically became what it became, I think, for all the, of all of those reasons.
0: Oh, it's it's cool. It's super cool. Um, when you're when you're writing, you kind of you're uh, the primary writer on on uh, the majority of these songs, a little bit of uh, uh, compositional help. Right. Um, on on yeah. some tracks, but primary it's it's you. What's what's kind of your your process? Like how do, how do you kind of do you do you lyric first or do you uh or do you play and kind of?
1: Yeah, I think I definitely start with words, um, but I don't, I don't, I definitely don't have like a full set of lyrics before I start playing them. I think I kind of start with a little idea and play it at the piano or with the ukulele, and then the the song kind of starts forming from there. And I try to have like a, a like a solid sketch of what the the song is gonna be, and then I make the lead sheet and. I, I think a, a really cool part of the process is like taking it to the band and figuring out like, okay, what does the intro sound like? What does the outro sound like? How are the verses different from the choruses? And I think that piece of it is very collaborative. Um, but, but yeah, I think the the bulk of it is like um, my, <laughs> my gut telling me what to do.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Um, and I, I mean, and I reference a lot of other music, right? I think um, on, on, daughter of the sea especially a huge reference was um fiona apple and i think i definitely i hate to say stole but i think all artists steal other artists ideas but i had definitely a lot of like the drum grooves and things that were like directly referenced from some of her stuff so yeah i think um borrowing a lot in that way is a lot how i work as well
0: yeah, uh, well, all the best music is borrowed. I mean, like you, th- you know, the the Beatles, who everybody kind of looks to, were all borrowing from you know every sound that that, that they you know. It- but I think I think, and that's one of the things that I think is um, uh, 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 I'll get a little woo woo here, but one of the things that I think is beautiful about music and and beautiful uh, and a reflection of uh, of America is kind of. Taking things from all cultures and kind of melting them into a pot. You might even call it a melting pot. And then mm. <laughs> brewing something, something beautiful. Um, so, yeah, steal away uh, is what I say. <laughs> just make <laughs> well, it your own. And, that's, and you've made things, you know, um, like a, a reference point is, is music. Like that's just.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure.
0: It's, it's all been done is le- what you know like <laughs> so yeah. let's do it let's do it some more like that's the way i look at it like i'm i'm uh but i uh, you know i my i used to have a uh original a solo original kind of uh career as a musician not career um i played out let's not get ahead of ourselves <laughs> um but my entire thing was borrowed uh from g love so i i i have i will never throw a rock at anybody saying <laughs> i may have borrowed this
1: so. No, but that's um, awesome. That's awesome.
0: Um, you you mentioned um, kind of writing with the ukulele. Uh, how great is that of an instrument to just kind of work things out on? Like I, I'm a big fan. Uh, it, it it was late in life before I kind of discovered um, the glory of of the uke. But uh,
1: yeah, I I have really enjoyed writing with the ukulele. I think also it keeps me really honest because it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I play quotation marks, <laughs> the ukulele. Um, I know some chords. <laughs> sure. Um, and I say it keeps me really honest because I, I it really forces me to think about just like the core essentials uh, instead of like kind of getting carried away with all of the jazz voicings on the piano. Um, so I, I really love that about writing on the ukulele is that it just like forces me to be simple and concise
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um uh Daughter of the Sea is the latest album and mm. um it's absolutely beautiful. Um from, from start to finish. Like I I was I, I've listened to it um pretty much nonstop all week um Aww. from when I started. Like it it's just it's it's really, really good. Um in and, and you know, reading about it, you you started working at, on it over the pandemic. Um yeah. so um do you think Do you think this is one of those heady questions and and I don't know if there's an answer to it. Do you think this album would exist the way that it sounds without being locked in in your house (laughs) like the rest of us were?
1: Absolutely not. Um, Mm. Yeah, because this this album is so reflective. Right. I think. We all have to spend so much time with ourselves and like looking at ourselves. And I mean the way I process things and have always processed things is through music and through songwriting. And I, I think in a way it was kind of inevitable, um, that, that in that situation, that's what that would happen. Right. (laughs) Sure. Um, so yeah, I think I had never been blessed in a way. I hate to say that the pandemic was a blessing, but I I do want to say that there was a blessing of time to, to really spend time with my craft and to really be alone with myself and have the time to just like be with myself that I think allowed me to to write in a way that I had never done before
0: uh when you when you started were, were you thinking of the the album as a complete thought or were they or were they um songs that just kind of came to you and you kind of found the theme kind of uh, allowing itself to be discovered
1: yeah, I think when I when I started writing like the title track, Daughter of the Sea, I, th- I think that's when like the aha moment came that like, oh, all of the stuff you've been working on is like all towards one thing. <laughs> um, so I think d- when I yeah, when that song was kind of completed, I was like, right. And then. And then all like the rest of the songs kind of start kind of just like started falling out of me because then I had like a very clear goal of like what was happening, <laughs> um, but it's funny how like your subconscious kind of works in mysterious ways sometimes <laughs> yes
0: it does yes it does for good yeah. and for bad uh, <laughs> yes uh, exactly but in this instance very good uh for very good um one of the things that um that occurs in this album that uh, that is absolutely beautiful to me are the um four interludes uh with the the daedalus quartet um w- when did the concept of putting that together happen because that it gives it such like uh, uh almost like a a chaptered Kind of framework to the album, and I think it's very successful in in its uh, uh, execution.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that those came about. I think um, I really wanted Aaron Bush to write for this record. Who's she's a composition Ph.D. composition student at Penn, and um, I knew I wanted strings on this album, and I had approached Erin about writing strings specifically for Blood is Thicker Than Water, the title track. And she was like, yes. And what if (laughs) we what if we also created these like moments in between the tracks to add something else? Because I feel like my she felt like her voice was more towards that kind of chamber music. And I was like, Yes, that's interesting. And I do think that the album needs like a little bit of glue to hold it all together. And and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like and she wrote those four interludes and they were just so beautiful. Um, And I think it made a lot of sense because we both really love Carolyn Shaw and like her string quartet compositions. And it just like, yeah, it just made so much sense in the context of everything. And she did such a beautiful job writing those pieces
0: absolutely absolutely and like i said like it like like it's a, it it is like it it weaves its way to kind of make everything kind of gel um and and and, it, and it's not out of place cuz you know there there is that threat of throwing something like that in somewhere that might just kind of be disjoining and stuff like that but it 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 just fits so perfectly
1: yeah i think i really love like the transition between the first track and then the first interlude where she's like, she really literally takes the last little bit of the song that is playing and she puts it, bum, 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 just like slowed down. Um, which is like, for me, when I heard it all put together, was like mind blowing. <laughs> sure. Um, and the same thing with the one that happens right before gravity, because then the st- it's just the string starting gravity. So yeah, it just like. It's really beautiful.
0: <laughs> it really is. It really is. It, it just, it's, it, you know, like the songs themselves are, are incredibly beautiful, but then you throw that in and it's just like... It's it, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I, you know, it, it almost leaves me speechless like trying to find the oh. words.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much. That's very kind. <laughs>
0: oh, no worries. No worries. Um the the other thing um that that really stands out in this um uh, beautifully is um that you um sing in your native tongue uh on this album. Uh was that something consciously going in that you wanted to do more of or
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big takeaways from Heart was that people really love the two songs that are in Spanish from Heart. In Spanish from Heart. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, as like a human being, I am bilingual, I'm an immigrant, and I think that is a very important part of my identity to me. So it's something that I'm always working on is trying to incorporate, to continue to incorporate both of, my languages into my music uh, in a very kind of seamless way and uh, yeah and I think I just really really wanted to have um, songs in Spanish that not only kind of not just about the language but also um, had a little bit of influence from other Latin American women in them and Caos the first track specifically is inspired by this book by Laura Restrepo that's called Delirio Um, or delirium and yeah and so like it's kind of like reflecting the chaos that's happening in the book in a in a different way (laughs) but um yeah happy to (laughs) happy to talk more about that if you want but yeah uh, absolutely the
0: the floor is yours you you can tell me anything (laughs) no i I mean it's it's fascinating to me and I, i love hearing kind of what is behind what moves me so much so
1: yeah, I think, well, s- specifically talking about chaos, the first track is that um, the in the book Delirio, Delirium, um, the kind of the plot is that it's a woman who's kind of reliving a traumatic event and so she's kind of like dissociated and her partner is trying to figure out like what happened and trying to bring her out of that dissociative state, I guess. <laughs> um, and so he kind of has to like track all of the pieces of what happened and um the bulk of it is that is very much about like being a Colombian woman and this like, kind of idea in in Latin America in general that like we don't talk about stuff we sweep it under the rug and um and so what I did is I kind of like took some of my favorite phrases from the book and I wrote them out in little pieces of paper and I kind of started kind of sort of collaging them together and cutting them up and then like that was fascinating because then uh a different totally different story came out of it um but kind of with like similar themes so it was uh super interesting to me that that um yeah that i was able to kind of craft and weave all of that together
0: ah it's super beautiful have you um been able to uh, well first of all is is the author still alive uh before
1: uh very much alive um she teaches at a university on the east coast i can't remember which one right now but she's um she continues to write she's very celebrated very talented very <laughs> woman very good very good well i
0: didn't i didn't want to presume and then like uh h- h- ask this question and then have you go uh, Nate she uh passed away uh, five, and you're like no uh but um <laughs> have you been able to put this song in her ear at all do you know if she's heard it
1: uh you know i haven't and i think part of the reason that i haven't is because i'm afraid that she'll think that i'm plagiarizing her <laughs> oh, but um But maybe that's like a silly fear and I should just send it to her. Um, Yeah, I think so.
0: I think so. Like, I think uh, like if I mean, just think about if you um, poured your heart and soul into something and then someone created something as beautiful as you have and was like, hey, I uh, I was inspired by something you did and this is what I created. That would be like the most flattering thing in the world. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I will write her an email tonight. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, here's the deal. If she then turns around and sues you, just don't blame me. Don't hate I- me if that happens. <laughs> I won't I won't no, promise. I kid, I kid. I kid. But um but uh the, the so you know that, that kind of opens and then we, we close the album um with a um continuation of the story uh presented by David Bowie of of Major Tom. Uh, that that's a, a bold thing to take so it's like two bold bookends of reimaginations. Um tell me a little bit about the uh where Major Tom came from for you.
1: Um yeah. This one's a little bit of a funny long story. I will try to make it short. <laughs> um, so during the pandemic, I was taking these classes through Pig Iron theater company um, uh, movement like theater based movement classes anyway. Um, and one of the exercises that I had learned through that workshop was that like you took an image. And you looked at it and you tried to, like, tell the story of the image through movement. And, you know, during the lockdown, like, we're not doing anything. I have a lot of time on my hands. Um, and I just found this image uh, of David Bowie as being your Tom, like, very interesting. And so, like, I kind of started doing the exercise. And part of the exercise is to also do some vocalizations. And then I kind of started. That's kind of where the lyrics started to come from. Um, and then the the storyline that I wove through that was like, uh, well, what happened to major Tom? <laughs> right. Like, um, and I remember while I was doing the exercise, I had put the voice, like the voice memo on to catch some of the things that I was saying. There were like a lot of questions that were coming up for me of like, um, are you hungry? Are you scared? Um, and then I kind of borrowed that, like, and tell me, do the stars look different today? Cause that's, which
0: is a beautiful line. I love that.
1: um, which is part of like the original track, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah. And then I kind of, as it was kind of crafting together, then in my brain, it kind of restructured and was reimagined as like sung from the perspective of Major Tom's wife, of like who sh- she gets left behind. And she's like, well, I'm sad and I'm lonely and I, I'm wondering what happened to you. Um, and that's also kind of like the narrative that we created for, for the music video. So so, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. No. And the, the the music video, too, is absolutely incredible. And you did some work there with the Almanac Dance uh, Circus Theater um, prior yes. to that. But, you know, you, um, how did that what's your relationship with them other than, you know, mm-hmm. uh, providing music for them in the past and, and kind of working with them that way?
1: Yeah, I actually met Ben, uh, who is the leader of Almanac Dance Circus Theater. He hates that we say that about him but it's true <laughs> <laughs> um, so i'm sorry ben when you hear this um <laughs> but uh i had met him and his partner nick in an- a different workshop um taught by magda san milano was like a writing workshop that i also took during the pandemic and uh like months later 20 it's 2021 and and Ben messages me on Instagram and he's like, hey, I really love your music. Um, Would you be interested in writing music for the show that we're doing um, called Happy Hour? And I was like, cool, great. Yeah, I'll do it. Like, awesome. I was like super excited to just get back to doing art again uh, with people. And that's kind of how our collaborative relationship began. And then I really loved working with them. Working with acrobats is like... An incredibly mind-blowing experience. Just the things that they're able to do with their bodies, and how aware they are of each other in a room, and and how scary it can be sometimes. Like sometimes you're like, are they gonna make it, or are they not? And it was a very interesting process too, because I got to see a lot of the mistakes too. Right? Because um, we literally wrote the piece collectively as a group, and uh, and yeah, and so I, I just. Okay. Uh, Earned a lot of respect for them and we continued a collaborative relationship and um, eventually I just really wanted them to be in the music video because I was like, why not have acrobatics Um, in a music video? And uh, that's how that happened
0: awesome it's so cool like you know um you you seem to um have um interacted with and surrounded yourself with um incredible people and i got to think that you're kind of the glue in this as well like you you seem to attract uh incredible and talented people um because you're incredible and you're talented yourself so uh <laughs> there was yeah. no question there it was just uh, me singing your praises again i guess <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you that's very nice yeah i mean i think i i do try to surround myself with people that i'm very inspired by and i think weirdly that was one of the things about the pandemic that um i was very grateful for that even though like we were all on zoom and it was weird that i was able to build a lot of relationships with other artists and yeah i uh it's like such a crucial important part of being an artist because we don't do this alone we have to do it in community and um yeah the pandemic really allowed me to build those relationships
0: it's awesome so you know you put you put the put the songs together um and uh what's it like kind of getting out there and being able to perform these songs live finally uh is it is it freeing or scary
1: it's both (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think also like i was so focused on just like finishing it getting it done that I hadn't quite realized how much of myself I was putting out there and like how vulnerable a lot of this music is and um yeah I think uh we did some performances of it during the fringe festival that like were very intimate they were just like cello voice and guitar um arrangements of the pieces and uh, as I was kind of crafting the show and the banter and all the stuff, I like realized how vulnerable a lot of the stuff was. And, um, it really like, it was like a lot of emotional energy, like getting in front of people and saying so much stuff about yourself. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, it's like, i that's such an important part for me in my art is to be authentic. And again, like going back to like the roots of why I'm so drawn to people like Regina and Nora is that, um, they are so much their authentic selves in their work. And I think maybe that's the most important piece of it all for me.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I, uh, you know, uh, I've always found personally and uh, uh, it it sounds uh, similar that like, if I'm going to be vulnerable and, and, and that, you know, that, that stuff wants to come out, like it, it does not, it does not feel good to keep it in um, that to take that kind of, You know, sometimes pain and sometimes joy and and to take that and to be able to channel it into something um, to communicate it with with other people. Uh, I can't think of a more beautiful thing, to be honest, like and and it's and and like you said, it is scary, but it is very freeing to be able to kind of get it out, you know, and and hope that someone can hear it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I do think that one of the biggest lessons I have learned about that, though, is like that you also have to be careful with yourself, you know, like. um, And so I forget which other workshop I heard this in, but it's like tell the story from the scar, not the wound.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Um, And I think like, you know, admittedly, I think for Daughter of the Sea, I wasn't always telling my story from a scar Um, and the songs that are sometimes hard for me to to get up and sing and like be okay with like it's like quite like that that wound is still open for me in some cases and um yeah it was like a, a big lesson and like maybe maybe they're not quite ready <laughs> or you're not quite ready yet to share that <laughs> yeah, with people. T- or maybe it's not something that's meant to be shared right it's like why, like, I, I struggle with that a lot too. Sometimes of like this expectation that singer songwriters are supposed to bear their souls and their pain and their everything in front of audiences, and I just like, no, maybe, maybe you can get a, like a coloring book or a journal and, <laughs> and like work that stuff out in other healthier ways. Um, but you know, we're all just growing as people. But that was one of the biggest lessons from this record for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely see that. Is there, is there anything, um, uh, not not emotionally or, or any of that, but any of the songs that surprised you that like you feel like came really came alive once you started playing them live, um, as opposed to you know kind of crafting them or in the studio or whatnot?
1: Yeah, I think definitely "Quiet Love."
0: Oh, It's my favorite song in the album.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've been holding that. I've been holding that in my pocket. Uh, that's my favorite song in the album.
1: Um. And I think it, it really came alive for me because I have this, um, on stage, I have this whole kind of banter about it, which is like, kind of tell the, a little bit of my story with my relationship with my body specifically. Um, and, you know, I kind of talk about like stretch marks and weight gain and hair and getting your, um, your first gray hair and that kind of stuff. Um, and, sort of being like you have to kind of be okay with all of those things and love yourself through all of that. And um I I there's something very electric about performing that for people and like vocalizing that. And uh, many people have come up to me after I've sung that song and said, like, wow, I'm so grateful that you sang that because I started losing my hair when I was twenty three or um I got my first gray hair when I was very young and I like, you know, and so it's like, again, like that piece about permission, right. Of allowing, um, folks to like, (laughs) to see themselves and, um, like allow them to process some of that information is, has been very enlightening for me and very beautiful about performing that song for people. And at sometimes I like when, in like the last little bit of the song, I ask people to like, look at each other. Um, And to like really see one another and like um, I always say like there is not a single person in this room who is ugly right because (laughs) that's true nobody nobody really truly is ugly and uh, yeah I think it's like I get all mushy about it but (laughs) um, I do I do think that song is um, really special
0: absolutely absolutely and like i said like that that's the one that like just kind of kicked me like i was just like oh my god it's such a beautiful sentiment and it sounds phenomenal like it's just it's just a very brilliantly put together uh piece of music
1: thank you, thank
0: you. um so uh what you know you you, you kind of talked about uh people coming up what what have the reactions to the album been? Um, like uh uh cuz that can be uh, scary as well like when people want to then share with you um their their kind of um their their scars uh if you will
1: Yeah, you know, I think actually it's been really positive. Um Oh, it's good. I think people have really enjoyed it. I think um you know, with my family I have drawn a little bit of a boundary of like <laughs> um we don't uh, like I. Although I'm sh- I'm sharing this stuff in song publicly, that it's not necessarily something I want to like dig up with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I think like overall, actually, it's been really positive. I think people really love the string interlude. So like, shout out to Aaron again. Um, and. I think honestly, like, and I think a lot of artists go through this, like the most negative reaction has actually come from me (laughs) Um, because we wanted to be perfect. Right. And we wanted it to go um, in a very specific way. We had a vision for it. Maybe it didn't happen or um, I think I had to like really be okay with it, not uh, being exactly, exactly what I wanted. Um, But it's kind of like uh somebody was telling me it's kind of like having children like (laughs) um you have to allow them to be their own people and grow to be whoever they want to be and like I think creative projects are very much that way of like as much as you want to mold them into something that they they end up showing you actually what they actually are (laughs) so um so yeah I think that probably the most uh the strongest feelings have come from, from the, from the author herself. From
0: inside the, the call is coming from inside the house. Yes. Yeah. The, um, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about the, the major Tom video or are, are you thinking about doing any more music videos for any other song on the, uh, on the album?
1: Oh man, I would love to do a music video for, um, quiet love and I would love to do a music video for blood is thicker than water. Um, the reality is that I ran out of money, so. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but you know, like, um, if we can do it, if we can figure out a way of one hundred percent, we'll do them.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that? Send money, like make it happen. <laughs> that's it. We need a. We need a buy Kickstarter. Buy the vinyl. <laughs> there's a vinyl. I'll buy the vinyl. I'll, I'll do my part. Um, yeah. Um and uh you know i'll i'll share them links i'll, I'll try we'll, we'll get some of them vinyl sold we'll try to make this happen i yes. would love i would love uh, uh to uh hear this on vinyl like uh i've been l- streaming it like uh, uh this this seems like an album that would sound uh even better uh in the warmth of analog
1: it sounds so beautiful the strings especially oh my god
0: Oh, uh, now I need it. I'm going to I'm 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 buying it as soon as this interview is done. We we're, <laughs> we're going to make that happen. Um so at this time, would you like to go through my little Jauntlet questionnaire? These are the questions that I that I ask of every guest uh of this show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do it.
0: All right. So it starts with the one who wonders, these are just uh, picking picking one or the other. Uh Billy Joel or Elton John. Elton John. Yeah, well, you're you, uh, as a piano player. Um, I, I kind of I, I find that um, piano players tend to go with Elton John more, but people who just like piano tend to go with Billy Joel more. It's, um. This is what I'm finding um in my studies. This is a, this is all a data a, a data. It's dive. an
1: unofficial poll. <laughs>
0: That's, it is. Well, well, I was I forget who I was talking to uh, recently, but um, I originally was keeping a spreadsheet of all of the answers of this because I wanted to have uh, uh, quantifiable data to be able to say how people think, and um, uh, it, it it just got too overwhelming.
1: <laughs> oh, I I hear you. So. I have a non-profit day job (laughs) Um, and a lot of the work that I do is just collecting data. (laughs) Oh, really? So I 100% feel you on the spreadsheets. But also it's funny, like if you allow enough time to go by, like the data really does tell you a story. So Yeah maybe it, this the spreadsheet of yours is is ready to be revived
0: the um I, i'm i'm addicted to excel um and, <laughs> and and it's weird because i was so against it in high school and i was so against it in college and then somehow um in my old age i'm just like oh i can manipulate this to to make it look and tell me something that isn't you know so um i also uh, another spreadsheet that was started that isn't finished is uh, i'm trying to uh quantitatively decide whether or not i actually like the band weezer and uh i've i've got a a spreadsheet (laughs) going of all of the songs and who wrote what song and who's playing on what to try to identify what it is about a weezer song that i love and what it is that i can't stand and i'm getting very close
1: Wow, I would really love to see the spreadsheet. <laughs> it's it's um, I, am, <laughs> right I am fascinated by this.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you um, what I found. What I've found so far, um, and and you know, I've I've spent a little bit of time on this, but uh, I, there's a lot more to to dig into. Um, that is, um, I don't like Rivers working with other songwriters, um, and that's what the data is telling me. That um, when he's working by himself. Um the odds are are much higher that I will like that song. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Right? I know. It's all there. It's that's what Excel's good for.
1: <laughs> Data tells a story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> every time, every time. Uh the next one hit wonder Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Joan Jett. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. Uh Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Aretha. Yeah, you're a singer. Of course you're going to say that. Uh, <laughs> um, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam. Okay, okay. Uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks?
1: Janis Joplin.
0: Good answer, good answer. Uh, Beatles or The Stones? Beatles. Okay, okay. I'm going to throw one in here. Um, it, this is this is a special one. Uh, I've never asked <laughs> it of anybody. Uh, so this is specifically tailor-made for you. Nora Jones or Regina Spector?
1: Oh, come on. (laughs) I mean, if you if I had to choose, it's Regina.
0: Okay, okay, I feel that. I feel that. It is a that is a tough choice. I don't I don't even know that I could flippantly give you an answer to that if anybody asked me that. So, yeah, Um, the final one hit wonder Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven.
1: Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: Saw that one coming a mile away. Uh, (laughs) I always like to tell people that I I try to guess in my head what they're going to answer. And that was one that I was pretty sure of.
1: (laughs) Well, it's it's the song within the two choices.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep um the the next section is the top 10 countdown and in this as i'm sure you're aware we use john to be whatever you want it to be it doesn't have to be music it can be anything you want so number one uh what was your first john what was the first thing you were obsessed with
1: um that andrea bocelli song because my dad would put it in the car um i forget the name of it i think it's Conte Partiro. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: I do. It's the the one that was in Step Brothers, correct? The uh, I think I can't remember. I'm a wedding DJ um, at times, so uh, every that's 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 in the wheelhouse, you know.
1: Yeah, I I have not seen Step Brothers, so I don't know. But okay, okay. um, but yes, that song.
0: That is a, a absolutely beautiful song. Like his, <laughs> I mean, like uh, incredible. Um, though the weirdest. Uh, Uh, bocelli thing that i've seen recently is um i don't know if you have disney plus but yes it is so
1: weird so weird (laughs) i have a theory about this
0: yeah lay it on okay
1: um i'm not exactly sure what record label Andrea bocelli is on but i have a feeling that it's owned by disney
0: yeah that makes sense
1: and i have a and so they just put out this like christmas album right him and his kid and his daughter and I have a feeling that they put that song in there not just as a marketing thing, but I think also so that it would rack up a lot of um, royalties.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: Because right, it's like because it was showing up as like the primary banner on Disney Plus, and then you like clicked on it and you watched it because you were like, "What?"
0: <laughs> I'm still like, "What?" Yeah.
1: And <laughs> and then it's like every time that you play it, that song gets royalties, right? It's like a built. It's like a weird late stage capitalism dystopian energy but
0: yeah yeah they did they did one of those with bad bunny too that like uh, absolutely is, confuses the hell out of me like those those little shorts that they do with the simpsons is 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 a thing now and and uh, I, I mean i'll watch every single one of them but
1: yeah i know but it is it is very strange
0: yeah very <laughs> very uh number 2 what's your current john what are you into right now
1: oh my god um Actually, I haven't been listening to a lot of music lately, but I have been reading a lot. Um, and I'm reading The Rabbit Hutch, which I think just won like the National Book Award, and it's very good.
0: Okay, all right. Um if if you're looking for um some music uh today, uh just came out the um uh Rachel and Vilray album. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Rachel from uh Lake Street Dive. Um Oh. It's it's incredible. It's really good. <laughs>
1: Wow, I'll have definitely have to check that out.
0: Yeah, um, uh, it, uh, it definitely gets a, a, a Nate seal of approval on that one. So
1: <laughs> amazing.
0: <laughs> um, number three, what was your first concert? What was the first live show you went to?
1: Um, do you want to guess?
0: Ooh, I don't. <laughs> uh, Kelly Clarkson.
1: No, it was actually no. um, Regina Spector. <laughs> it
0: was Regina Spector? Okay, that was going to be my second guess, actually. But but when uh, I, I thought you were going to curveball me with uh, the Kelly Clarkson, the early Kelly Clarkson love. <laughs>
1: um, no, I was like I think fifteen, and there was uh, a Dickinson College, which is in Carlisle, like very close to Harrisburg. Um, and she was doing like a college tour, solo piano tour, and begged my mom to take me (laughs) and she did so it was great
0: (laughs) was uh did it did it blow your mind was it was it an incredible show
1: oh my god I think like I had like a digital camera this is like mid-2000s right um I took so many pictures I was like I could not stop thinking about it I was I think it like cemented in my brain that that's what I wanted to do in my life
0: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. It all starts somewhere, and that's a beautiful place for it to start. Yeah, the power of live music. I love it. Uh, number four. What was the last concert you went to? What was the last live show you seen?
1: I'm um, trying to remember. I feel like maybe it was something like weird and new musicy here in New York. But I can't remember. <laughs>
0: okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. If you think about it later, uh, shout it out. No, no worries. Um, number five, what was your favorite concert? What was the best show you've ever seen live?
1: Um, I think probably St. Vincent at Union Transfer.
0: Ooh, that's great. What year was um, that?
1: 2014. Okay. It was, it was when that, when the self-titled album came out um the one that she's like on a on a throne with like the white hair and the purple gown she had a theremin um she had choreographed dance steps um she had this giant pink pyramid and i think she's double jointed from which she like descended from it like double jointing like i'm like doing a horrible job of explaining this but it was like a very weird visual um and i think her banter has always been to kind of just be like this it doesn't like really make any sense it only makes sense to her and yeah it was like super floored by her
0: that's awesome that sounds like an incredible show
1: it was amazing
0: uh number six who have you never seen live that you would love to they can be living or dead
1: nina simone
0: oh god yeah
1: Um, and I have a very specific one. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, uh, the 1979 live at Monroe. Um, I mean, there's like videos of it and like an album of it as well, but, um, she like kick, like somebody like tries to leave the concert and she's like, you're not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have been there for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, um, you know, I, um, uh, I, I I always I have this thing that I, I always say, which is um, thou shall not cover the Beatles. Um, and then because uh, I made a playlist of like just um, all these times that people tried to cover the Beatles and failed. But then I have a follow up playlist that is. But if you're going to do it better than the Beatles. And uh, Nina Simone's uh, Here Comes the Sun is on my better than the Beatles. Fiona Apple, uh, we talked about earlier. Her um, across the universe to me is better than the Beatles. earth wind and fire got to get you into my life better than the beatles yep (laughs) it's 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 a a tough playlist it's a tough uh it it definitely (laughs) it definitely uh goes hard
1: do you have data points for these
0: (laughs) (laughs) no this was pre-data points but now like uh uh, maybe aerosmith come together um i might have to uh quantify making it onto the playlist
1: okay what what is your criteria (laughs) i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) (laughs) i gotta i gotta throw it in a pivot table to be able to truly see what I'm looking at first before I can start to let it define what what
1: what tracks amazing
0: um number seven name an unappreciated John name something you wish had some more exposure to it
1: oh my god um I had a really hard time thinking about this one um but i think i'm i think I'm going to say that I feel like. Um, people who listen to indie pop, like whatever is popular right now, have like real aversion to classical music. Um, and so, yeah, I just would like, I'm going to say like people need to listen to more contemporary classical music. Cause I feel like that, um, there's actually a lot of crossover for me. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's so, a great answer. Um, or
0: is there any any um, contemporary classical that you're, like, really into right now? Like, uh, someone you could uh, suggest if a listener was like, uh, okay, let me take you up on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, like, the Ataka Quartet and Carolyn Shaw collaborations um, are really amazing. Perfect. And they, they just did an, an album that came out last year. I think it's called Evergreen. That's, like, so good.
0: I will. I'm adding it to the list. Um, that's fantastic. Um, number eight. What's your favorite album?
1: Um, I mean, this one's also really hard for me. <laughs> um, but I I think it's actually a tie between two Fiona Apple records, um, the When the Pawn and Idler's Wheel. Yeah. Um, those two records are like so good.
0: Yeah. The um uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm an obsessive of uh When the Pawn, um, specifically because uh John Bryan is like um my, one of my gods. Um so and uh and Fiona as a writer, like just the two of them together. Uh, I, I I wish they would never have stopped kind of collaborating because
1: Oh my god, that record is like Yeah, I I definitely went through a phase where like I that was like the only thing I could listen to, and I very specifically got obsessed with that with Love Ridden. It's like one of the (sighs) the lyric in that is devastating, Um, and so good. I don't know. It's just like ugh.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things about her that, like, um, um, I'm not going to say that is overlooked because, you know, she's known as just a master penman, but, like, lyrically, like, her ability to turn phrases that, like, don't just make you, like, don't just stab you, but also then, like, you have to think about that stab wound for, like, for, like, the next day. Like, my God, (laughs) this is brilliant.
1: Yeah, she's so good and like of course I've like gone down the rabbit hole of like the YouTube Fiona Apple interviews, right? Um but there was this one and I can't remember exactly which interview it was, but she talks about how she writes lyrics in her head when she's walking. Um and that I think she ends up having a lot of triplets in her head um be- because it's like of the pattern and the beat that she's walking to and the, I like that totally makes Like, then I was hearing it everywhere when like in her songs. And yeah, it was like a crazy kind of process thing that was like staring me right in the face. But I could never really hear until she said it out loud for me.
0: That is like a very interesting skeleton key to her songs. Like that's uh, I now want to go listen and see if I can pinpoint this. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, she's amazing.
0: That's so cool. Um, Number nine um, in my head, I'm answering this one. Uh, Name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they put out.
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the trifecta, (laughs) Regina, (laughs) Nora, and (laughs) Fiona Apple.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I was uh, (laughs) This is a good guess. Good guess, Nate.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, and number 10, the 10th and final of the top 10 countdown. What is your favorite John of all time?
1: My favorite John of all time. Actually, this is a song in Spanish. Um, it's super cheesy. Um, it's an 80s ballad uh, by Rocio Durcal, who was like a Spanish 80s diva. Um it's called La Gata bajo la lluvia, which translates to like the cat under the rain, but specifically like the female cat under the rain.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: And it is the most epic like breakup ballad in the history of ever. Um, and I think I it like came up in my memory again because there was like a drag show in which one of like the drag queens was doing lip syncing to that song and it was just like so good <laughs> um, but I highly recommend it to everyone I think you need to get like past the cheese and just like listen to the lyric and her delivery to like really love it but it's an epic, epic song
0: Brilliant um, Now here's a question I always have to ask when someone uh, loves a song that much Have you thought about covering it?
1: 100% Um It's like one of my dreams to sing that song. I think that like the band has had a a, it's been a tough pill to swallow for the band. Um, But I think like Latin American audiences really know that song and really understand that song. So um, definitely I'm I'm wanting to really put it in my repertoire this year.
0: Very cool, very cool. Uh, we'll be excited to hear it. You know, one of the things you you mentioned uh, during this that I did want to touch upon is uh, your work with nonprofits. Um, to talk a little bit about um, kind of who, who you're working with currently and who you've worked with in the past.
1: Yeah, so right now I'm a program associate at the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council. Uh, <laughs> I live in New York now, and. Um, specifically work in the grants department. So what we do is that we get, like, big chunks of money from the city and the state to redistribute as small artist grants um, for artists specifically living in Manhattan and for public-facing projects specifically taking place in Manhattan. Um, So, yeah, uh, you can... If if you're an artist living in Manhattan, please check out the grants <laughs> um, because they're there for you. They're public funds. So that's really uh, amazing. And uh, so that's the current work that I'm doing. And in the past, uh, in Philly as a teaching artist, I worked with um, World Cafe Live. I was doing the Lullaby Project, which is a collaboration with Carnegie Hall. And... Um, I did Mighty Songs, which is a collaboration with Mighty Writers, and I did, uh, I was an intern at Fringe Arts uh, for the summer of 2019, which was, like, an amazing time. I had the best time of my life. I didn't want to leave. They kind of had to, like, be like, so when's your last day <laughs> <laughs> as an intern? Um, and... For like a little brief period of time of when I first got to New York, I did a little bit of marketing for um, New York City Center. And yeah, I kind of, I've kind of been like all over the map a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, to me, it's like a it's a beautiful thing because not only are you kind of creating this incredible kind of wealth of uh, discography and a, 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 a songbook, uh, but you're also helping others um, to kind of be able to fulfill that same dream. And that's just, I mean, that's like the most admirable thing in the world to me. Like that's, that's beautiful.
1: Um, Well, thank you. I mean, it's definitely a hard balance to like have a full-time job and, and your artistic practice and understand how those two things work together. But I will say that the most fulfilling part of my job right now is, is knowing that, um, very deserving artists are getting, are getting money to pursue projects that they really care about. And, I get to see a lot of art in the city, which is like so it's like the best part of my job, I think. So, yeah,
0: it's so cool. Uh, so so um, what's next? Do you have um, are, are you working on another album currently or are you, you know, kind of living with this one uh, for a while and touring or, or playing shows and whatnot?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm living with this one for a minute. I I put myself on sabbatical (laughs) um, because I really needed to to rest at the end of the year. And I think uh, right now I'm just kind of like figuring out what's next. And definitely there will be some shows in the future. So if you follow me on socials and things like that, um, I'll be sure to keep you updated with everything that I'm up to.
0: It's fantastic. Uh, why don't you give these uh, fine folks the, uh, the socials, how they can track you down?
1: Yeah. So on Instagram at, at Laura Liscano Music, that's L-A-U-R-A-L-I-Z-C-A-N-L, music. <laughs> and that's the same on Facebook. And I have a TikTok that I don't really use, but it's the same, <laughs> the same um, username. And yeah, and my website laureliscano music dot com. You can sign up for my newsletter and on Bandcamp, all of those things. You can. Um follow me on one and all the links will lead you to all the other ones
0: (laughs) perfectly well said well said and and all of the links will be included in the show notes to this show Laura thank you so much for doing this like I said I am absolutely a fan of yours and a fan of this latest album uh, Daughter of the Sea which is available on her Bandcamp, folks like we just said and there's vinyl sweet sweet vinyl so make sure you're picking that up Um, is there anything you'd like to leave these cool cats and kittens with uh uh, today?
1: Well, I, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. And um, yeah, I hope that you all listen to the music and that um, I think you'll really enjoy it, especially the strings. So <laughs> um, please uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it.
0: My thanks again to Laura for joining me on the show today. You can find more about Laura on her website, www.lauralizcano music.com. Her album Daughter of the Sea is available now on vinyl through her Bandcamp page at lauralizcano.bandcamp.com and, of course, is streaming wherever you stream music from. Her music video for the Bowie-inspired Major Tom featuring the Almanac Dance Circus Theater is up on YouTube. And you can find her on the socials at Music. Links to all of those, as always, are included in the show notes. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Yo That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, the deal forever remains. If you want to get yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world, all you got to do is give us a little rating and review. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the mailing list to get all of the updates delivered straight to your inbox. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John, and search Yo That's My John on YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out and touch some John. All right, does anybody even remember those old Bell or AT and T commercials? The reach out, reach out and touch someone. Yeah, I do this every week, and I'm probably the only old ass who knows what I'm referencing there. Such is the life. Look, we all know this show is just for me anyway. So thank you yet again for indulging the whimsy of a man in his 40s, sitting in his basement broadcasting to the world his futile attempt to humor himself. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Hey yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure your taste in music doesn't have to be yo that's my John is a lonely monk production written and produced by yours truly Nate Runkle theme song by Phil Tyler music featuring Nate 3.0 special thanks to Fox Run brands DX Ferris Andrew Scott Natalie Runkle and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo, that's my John, at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout, To the world, yo, that's my John.